This is Jason Troy, author of Social Wealth, and you're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Jason Troy, and we're going to talk about his book, Social Wealth, How to Build Extraordinary Relationships by Transforming the Way We Live, Love, Lead, and Network. Jason is a business and executive coach. He's a popular keynoter and leading expert on human behavior, influence, sales, networking, and leadership. He works with experts, entrepreneurs, and executives to help them get known and stand out by building key skill sets and right relationships, creating their brand platform and purpose, uh, which includes helping them get to the next stage in their, their business and career. He is a recovering lawyer, having earned a law degree and a master's in communications from Syracuse and a BA from Indiana University. Jason, congratulations on Social Wealth, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show and speaking with your fantastic tribe. Well, thanks. And uh, I should mention for the tribe that you actually, uh, based on reading your book, you you worked in marketing, too. So you have a yeah. very good sense for uh, the life of the, of the listener here. And this book and this episode is a little bit different. We're you know, into the Thanksgiving time and heading into the holidays. And it seemed like such a ripe time, to me anyway, when people start to reevaluate their you know, their year and their relationships, and maybe they've been uh, at Thanksgiving with some friends or relatives that maybe they don't really like being around or who ha- they have missed. And why don't we use that as a jumping off part to talk about what folks and, and marketers are kind of going through this time of year? I think everyone has this time when they're looking back at the relationships in the year. And this is like a perfect time with all the holidays because people are running around, there's a lot of stress. We look at in our mind goes to negativity. That's where we're programmed to go. So we see all the things that we haven't done or where we're not. And we tend to focus on those both personally and professionally. And as a professional, every day you go to work, you don't drop off your bag of personal stuff at the door. You take it with you. So it has a pretty large effect on your life. And you know, and everything in life we accomplish is with or through someone else. So relationships are our true wealth in life. And so we have to focus on those both personally and professionally. And depend, you know, you can look at it professionally. Most jobs someone's going to get is through networking and you will get the most money or whatever it is through networking. If you want to start your career, you've got to, I mean, entrepreneur, you've got to find clients in a business. And those are always easier if you can start through someone you know and or a referral that you have with an existing client. Mm-hmm. Let me just read one quick excerpt from the beginning of the book. With the rise of the internet, technology, smartphones, and social media, an interesting and alarming shift has taken place in the last two decades. As a society, rather than becoming more capable of human connection, we have become more and more isolated from one another. Yet it's relationships that are absolutely critical and essential to driving both professional and personal success. Jason, can you talk a little bit about your own story as it relates to 
what you talk about in the book where you were at Indiana and where you were at college, and then you noticed how it was different as after you'd started out on your career. Yeah, I mean, I think that, well, when you're in school, one of the things that happens is people are just available to you, right? You go to class, and so you're around people regularly without doing any effort. You can easily join organizations, and right, I was right living on campus, so it was so easy to go and do anything that I wanted to do. And I had the time, right? I could find the time, whereas when you start to go in your career, you're living in an apartment, maybe you're living with someone, maybe you're not, you're going to a job full-time, and it's much more difficult to start finding interactions with other people, even if you go back to the city that you've gone to school in, right? A lot of those people have moved away. So a traditional education system props you up socially, but when that's taken away, when that floor is taken away, people have a hard time making the next journey because they're not told what to do. They don't have a pattern or a blueprint how to move forward, both personally and professionally. And the challenge with that is, is people start making a lot of choices out of scarcity because there aren't people there, and they make horrible choices both personally and professionally, that really holds them back. And so, you know, you have to start getting out there and really finding the people that are going to help you in your life and who you can help. And so, you know, for me, when I was getting out of school and I went to San Francisco, I mean, I found myself being isolated because I didn't know, I knew one person when I moved to San Francisco. And it was a good friend of mine from college, but he was, you know, living with his girlfriend and pretty serious about getting married. So that was an okay outlet, but wasn't great. So I had to start building uh, my life from scratch. And, you know, that was a challenge because I wasn't really sure, you know, where to go, how to start it and, and move forward on it. And I just started to find, I, I put my head down. I was like, all right, well, where can I go that people are, that I could interact with that could help me both personally and professionally. And so I, you know, I floundered. I went to some organizations here and there, some professional ones that were marketing ones, and they were good, but they also were limiting as well. And I found that when I started to go to like charity groups and nonprofits, meaning museums and opera and symphony, it really opened up a considerable amount for me because everyone there went there to be social. They weren't looking for a job, and they were doing it in the spirit of giving. And those are where social influencers and wealthy people go, right? So mm-hmm. those were people that I could find jobs from, network with, you know, and also find as my friends, and also people who were really mobile and thinking forward in life. And I found that was a really big opportunity for me to start building new relationships. Yeah, it seemed much more conscious your effort to go out and, and meet people, whereas it seems like so many people leave that really to happenstance. Yeah, they do, right? They just hope that think people will come Run in into life. people, yeah. Right, and it doesn't work like that. And I ask people all the time, if you had a choice between finding your best friend in a room of five people or a hundred, what would you choose, right? Or your spouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people always say, well, I'd pick a room with a hundred. And then I say back to them, well, why are you living your life like there are only five people in the room? And that's a real problem that people have in their life. The people around them are often toxic. They're not good for them. Or, and they're starting to get advice in their life from people that are close to them, which is called proximity advice. And it's the same thing like getting financial advice from your plumber. No mm-hmm. one would do that, but people start doing that because they're not surrounding themselves with coaches, mentors, support systems, 
and the right people in their life. And you have to start getting out there and being conscious and active about who is around you because that is what your life is going to become. You know, the college thing, it it makes me wonder, because there were so many people around me in college, I uh, look back on those days as having some of the best relationships and friends I had, but it might have been also because there were so many people there, I really could pick the ones that were just really ideal. We, we all kind of found each other. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because way easier to do that. I just figured that out, Jason. We're, we're breaking new ground here. <laughs> hey, we always are. That's why it's, it's why it's important to get out. And I realize that, you know, here I have fantastic friends. And the reality is, is that when I look five years ago, my friendships are radically different. Most of the people that were my friends are now my acquaintances because mm-hmm. I'm pushing forward and they're not. But see, the challenge is most people that's not happening with. So you're now having people that are not good for you in your life that may have been at one point because they're not on the same trajectory and path as you are. Exactly. And, like your friend in San Francisco who'd gone, yeah. continued his life there, yeah. In the book, you talk a lot about social capital. Can you explain what that is? Well, in life, you have to create your own influence with other people. And the more influ- cap- social capital is the most valuable capital that anyone can have because when you do that, you influence other people, and people look at you as an influencer. And so it's really important to start building out your network of people. And one way you can do that is if you introduce someone to someone else, you are the hub and they are the spoke. And people look at you in a very powerful way, right? And you can even do that socially when you go out. Let's say the next group or, or organization you go to, right? I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. If you, what I do all the time, what I did years and years ago was I'll go to the bar, right? Or somewhere where they're having drinks or something and I'm waiting in line. There'll be someone on my right and I'll say to someone, hey, how's it going? How's your day? And, you know, they'll say whatever. And I might say, so what brought you here today? And their answer can be whatever. And then there'll be someone on my left and I'll, and I'll just look over and say, hey, how's it going? And I'll, and I'll literally take my index fingers, cross them over my body and I'll say, hey, you two should meet each other. I think you'd really get along. And I'm just saying that, and I don't even know their names. And I introduce them, and they start talking. And many times, they'll just continue asking each other questions, and I might pepper them with a question or two. And then I might look at someone right behind my left shoulder or right shoulder who's standing there, and I don't care who they are. And I'll interrupt them, and I'll insert them into the group. So sometimes I'll have four or five people talking to each other, and I'm the person bringing together. And I don't even know any of their names, right? But I learn their names because they inter- they ask each other their names. And so at that point, I'm the one to introduce them. So I'm in a powerful place. So let's, and I'm walking around the room the rest of the night. Now they'll introduce me to their friends, right? So all these networks start opening up. And the valuable thing in life is, is that the indirect networks are really the gold, meaning it's not the person, it's the network behind the person. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important to go to the places that have high quality individuals for you to meet because they have a wealth of gold behind them. Mm -hmm. Even just thinking about it a little bit can make a a big impact. And another thing you talk about in the book was social skills are learned. Uh, Do you, do you run into a lot of people who think it's just, uh, it's a natural thing that they can't. So many people really, so many people do. And, you know, social skills and communication and emotional skill sets are like going to the gym. If you don't go and work them out, you will not have them. You know, you're not going to get in shape by thinking about it. You actually have to do it. And I often find people don't also understand the power of emotions. And we are all emotional creatures. And emotions 
are driving the car and, you know, cognition and behavior in the back seat. And you've got to really be in tune with your emotions. And people call it emotional intelligence. And, you know, that's a fancy word for it. But I, I believe that it's true. And it's what's running people and also both holding them back. So it's, these are key skill sets in life that will make or break you. And all the data out there says people's success in life is going to be based on their ability to manage these skill sets. It's not technical knowledge. In fact, there's almost no data that says your technical knowledge is out there. And in fact, I'm just reading a bunch of studies on how IQ is a very low predictor of your success. And people's skill, social communication and emotional skill sets are like a 90% predictor of where you're going to go in life. So if you decide not to invest in these things, good luck because you're, you're like rolling a dice and you have probably a very low chance that you're going to be at the top of the heat because other people are investing in it and that's why they're good at what they do. And if they don't invest in it, they may be very good professionally, but their personal life will be blowing up on the sideline, right? Because that's also <laughs> part of it that happens all the time, right? I get clients who claim they have really good professional lives and their personal lives aren't going well. And then we look under the hood, we realize that their professional life is not near as good as they thought it was. And so it, these are things that everyone needs to invest in. And if not, what's going to happen is you will hit your divine storm. You will hit your rock bottom and you will take a precipitous fall in your life. And it's just, it's a matter of when, it's not a matter of if. Mm -hmm. Can you share with the listener some of your power principles of social success? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that you have to understand in life is that you've got to tap into someone's emotions. So one of the things that I always ask people in the second or third question is what are you passionate about, right? Because emotions are why people do everything, as I said before. So when you find out what someone's passionate about or what projects they're working on they're passionate about, you're going to really find out to connect to someone at their core the fastest. And I literally, I don't wait. I mean, I'll ask people how their day is or maybe question and then ask them that. And then after that, I ask them, so what challenges are you having around that? Because you could offer some help, a book, a contact, any suggestion, right? And even if you take their contact information and follow up about that and can't help them with it, they'll appreciate the fact that you took the effort, right? The other thing, too, is just being an active listener, I mean, most people are not present. They're thinking about other things in the conversation, and most of communication is nonverbal, so people can tell that you are thinking about other stuff or looking around the room. And, 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 not, and not just looking at your iPhone. Yeah, they can, exactly. They can tell that you're like waiting for them to finish talking so that you can start talking. Yes, they can tell that tension, and what happens, the other person says, well, you don't care, so then why should I care? Mm -hmm. And so the problem with that is, is that can create people who are not your advocates and possibly people who just don't like you. Mm -hmm. And so it can cause a lot of challenges. So I told people the only thing that matters is the person in front of you. So who's 10 feet in front of you, you can't talk to, you can't interact with. So focus on that. And really the active listener, the easiest thing to do is just repeat back a little bit of what they're saying mm -hmm. and try to find some common ground, some bridge to something in that conversation that you have in common. Because it shows someone you're listening, that you care, and that you're engaged in the conversation. And that's people will like you significantly more and right off the bat when you know you can do a couple these couple things right off the beginning. Yeah, you know, I've often heard that Bill Clinton makes people feel that way when he talks to him. Yes. Um, and this is not a political podcast, but apparently I've heard people say that he makes you feel like you're the most important person he's ever met. 
Yeah, that's why they attribute it. To, I mean, I've read about that Republican strategists all the time. I've heard say that they've spoken with him and love interacting with him because he has that ability to relate to anyone he meets and make them really seem like they're the only person in the room. And mm-hmm. I've heard that about you know George Bush Sr. as well. And so that's a quality that you want to try to exhibit at that, you know, in life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the other thing too, is if you lead with giving, that's, that's why you ask people, how can I help you first? Because when you lead with giving, you show the other person that you don't keep a scorecard in life. And that that's very important because psychologically, the other person then puts you in a place of power. They put you in their inner circle because the only people in life they don't have a scorecard with are their best friends, a business partner, a colleague, you know, their spouse, someone else. Yeah, you, you quoted Keith Ferrazzi in the book where you talk about the, the currency of real networking is not about greed, but about generosity. And one of my biggest takeaways from the book was the reminder of what you mentioned earlier. Ask people about what their challenges are because pretty quickly you might be able to figure out you can help them. Yeah. And it has such an impact. If anyone's ever asked me that, I think, wow, this person may be interested in what, what I have to say. So, Right. And very people do that. I mean, I'm, I'm in conversations and I, I, I ask people this question, like, when's the last time someone's asked you that question? I've asked hundreds of people that, what mm-hmm. are you passionate about? And they've told me no one. Mm-hmm. Most people their spouse doesn't even know the answer to that question or is not sure of the answer. If I, cause I ask my clients, I ask other people and I'm like, wow, that's really telltaling how little we actually get into the nuts and bolts of the people that we're around that actually are engaged and ask them meaningful questions that matter. Right. Cause everyone tells me, well, I want everyone to be vulnerable with me. I want to have great conversations with people. Yet people don't lead in their own life with it either, right? And so it's really important. The other thing I talk to people about is lead with vulnerability, lead with authenticity, and lead with speaking your truth. Don't back down in life. Say what you think and feel because that's what people want to hear. And with vulnerability, it's like a great example was I was out at a cancer event you know, a few months ago, and there was a woman I met. You know, and I asked her, I said, why did you come to this event? And she told me, I said, well, the reason that I love cancer events is that my mom had leukemia and she was really fortunate to get some experimental drugs from Sloan Kettering in New York. Otherwise, she wouldn't be alive. So, you know, funding cancer organizations to me is something really near and dear. And then she shared to me a story about her sister having breast cancer and she had tears. And I met this woman for less than 10 minutes and she gave me this big hug and introduced me to people that she knew is, you have to meet Jason, such a great guy. Mm-hmm. And what did I do? I didn't do anything. She barely knew me at all. And yet she's giving me that level of introduction, right? And for someone who's a marketer, you want to be thinking about how you can do that same interaction online, but also offline to build your own network or just find clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well said. And there was one part in your book that I thought applied to a lot of the other guests that have been on this show, where you talk about reaching out to influential people and the thing about picking their brain. The, one of the worst things you can say to somebody like that is, I want to pick your brain. And I, there are some authors who've been on the show who it just infuriates them when people say that to them. Can you explain what's going on there? Yeah, because you're just wasting someone's time, right? You don't have a point. It's, it's about question. extraction. It's about extraction and yeah. what you can do. And so I, you really have to get 
aggressive on things. And I'll tell you one of the great places to go if you want to meet influencers. And it's the easiest one to do. I went to a Fortune Magazine CEO conference in Austin a month ago with a client of mine. And we wanted to meet some high-level people. So I got a list of people and ended up emailing 25 people. And I got six meetings. Some of them were with the executive chairman of Royal Dutch Shell, the president of Siemens, some esteemed Harvard professor and scientist and a few other really high-level people. And the, re- the reality is I was sitting around the room, and this is before the conference started, and we had like two meetings before, and there was no one in the lobby of the Four Seasons doing, like they were all by themselves. And my client looked around and said, why aren't more people here meeting with people? And I was like, because people don't take the initiative. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you can reach out and meet people. And, those, and all I did was... Write him a note saying, hey, I loved what you're doing. And I, tr- I did the research, made some connections and said, you know, we'd love to meet some innovative people and see how we can be a service to you or how we can help you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's all I le- that's all I led the email with. And, and I'm not in the energy world. My client isn't either. So this was the hardest meetings ever to get. Right. And I got six meetings out of 25 emails, which isn't in my field, which is pretty incredible with some amazing people. So you can get these meetings. Now it's hard, you know, you got to find reasons if you're not going to a conference, but you can still do it if you lead with giving. You can do something like saying, look, if you take a meeting or, you know, you can put something in there, I'll do 10 hours of community service in your favorite charity, right? To make it worth their while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you can find out what that charity is, that's even better. But you can at least put it in there because you're showing someone you value their time. Mm-hmm. And you got to have a reason to get in that meeting too, right? And, you know, five or 10 minutes is really all you need with an influencer because if you get that time, they'll give you more if they're interested, right? And if you've really done your homework and research and made the time valuable. So take the smallest allotment of time possible and then add value while you're there. Bring a book, right? I love bringing books to people. When I went to the conference at Fortune, I brought books for every person we met with. Their eyes were like, way open. They didn't even know what I was giving them. And I thought to myself, well, and I, my client looked at it and I said, see, this is the best, you know, $15 investment in a book. And I tried to get a book that may be germane to them. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And oh, I it wasn't it. necessarily one of your books? No, it wasn't my books. I bought a book off Amazon. So I bought books off Amazon for people from other authors I thought they would be interested in. And instead of sending it afterwards, I led with it. <laughs> I was uh-huh. like, here. I thought yeah, that- about that's great. And it's also key. If you're one of those 15 to 50 people that are trying to talk to that speaker right afterwards, it seems like you're completely missing it. The The thing that you did is you contacted them beforehand. And <clears throat> I was recently interviewing a fellow Texan of yours, Scott Ingram, who wrote Making Rain with Events. And in his book, he talks about how 50% of people that attend events or exhibit at them, they don't do any planning. They just show up. <laughs> I didn't say more than that. I think that's probably yeah, really, really, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I talk, I just talked to uh, a bunch of uh, people in the last couple of months who are speakers at events, and a lot of times they'll go to an event and no one will make an appointment yes, with them ahead yes. of time. Mm-hmm. So you don't even need to. And if you go to an event, the other thing what you do is you go to a session early. If it's set up like that in different rooms, because often the speakers will be there early, and you can say hi to them, mm-hmm. and you can wish them good luck. And then what you do is you sit in the front row. Because then they see you, and they then they look at you're like being an advocate for them. Mm-hmm. And They're probably ask, comfortable because they've met at least one person in the room, right? And then you you can ask a question too, which is great, and you can follow up afterwards and just say, "Hey, you know, great speech," and walk away. But then when you follow up with them, you've had three interactions with them, so they stand. 
even if they can't remember your name, they'll like you can make a mention of them like, oh, I remember that person. Yeah. And then you can follow up with them afterwards and have a conversation with them, right? Simple things to do that are free that you can get out there and really meet a lot of people at a conference and, and leverage it. And there's just pure gold at these events if you do them. And anyone can master these events. I had a client who went to the TED conference last March, and he ended up meeting Bill Gates. Tim Cook sent him an iPhone with a personally signed note on it, and he still is contacting him here and there. Um, he ended up meeting Richard Branson through a contact. He's his childhood hero, and he's got business deals now that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars for you know that he's making huge amount of money off of because he actually just led with all the stuff we talked about today and killed it at the conference because we had a plan for every step that he took at that event, and he killed it with all those people. But most people don't, and even at a conference like that, like Ted, you think people would? They don't. A hundred, there's no one does. Yeah, you, you talk in the book about how uh, it was very specific uh, instructions on like how many from your company are going to the event and who is it you want to meet beforehand, and you write them down. And it's, it's once again, all about the pre-planning. If it you really wait until is. you're there, you're really uh, just not going to make much out of it. So It's like, it's like anything else. You, you have to go out and start to talk to people and mine those opportunities and find you know, what you're doing and be curious, right? Curiosity is one of the most undervalued qualities in society today. And it is the absolute key for you to be successful in your life. You got to be curious of why you're feeling things in your life. What emotions are coming up? Why are you hanging out with the people that are the closest around you, right? I asked one of my clients, I said, tell me three reasons, the five closest people to you and tell me the three value ads those person are having in your life. And they struggled to give me one or two. <laughs> I've also said, yeah I've heard the expression if you want to see your future look at your friends exactly see the people you're spending the most time with and that could be your colleagues at work it doesn't matter who it is but people don't even think about it they're not doing any they're not being curious about their own life they're just being like a zombie walking around in it right and the point is if you don't look at it it still exists and it will drag you down over time because you will just have all this negativity and things bearing down on you. And at some point that will have a major effect on, you know, your future and your life itself. And you don't want yeah. to have that happen. I think it's like uh, unconsciously eating anything. It, it, <laughs> it'll ultimately catch up with you. You know, more people put more thought into what they're eating generally than probably uh, the social network around them. So Jason, yes. if, if readers took only one thing away from your book, what would you hope it would be? I would say to start taking action in your life and leading in your life. You've got to go out there and start building these relationships. And you don't have to have a perfect plan. You don't have to go to the perfect places. You've just got to start. And so start with charity and nonprofits because the easiest thing to do, even for introverts, there are usually a couple hours a week or you know during like 6 to 8 p.m. for happy hours or some event and they have some you know usually shorter gala events on the weekend so you can plug these in and just go to two to three things right and i think that's an easy place to start and if you're more worried about that just volunteer to work the check-in table work the first shift at the check-in table so you can get familiar with the room you can meet a few people that are in the organization 
And then all the people that are coming in, you have a reason to talk to them because you're sitting down. And then when you go out after your session, you'll have met a lot of people that you can follow up with and everyone will want to meet with you because they'll think you're in the organization and that will make it much easier. But the key thing is get out there and start meeting people and start practicing these skill sets and, and invest in yourself because that's your future. Mm-hmm. So are there any recent marketing or, or, or business books, books in your field that you've read that you'd recommend to the listener? Yes. I love Brene Brown and she has some amazing books and she just had a book come out and I saw her speak called Rising Strong. And she's a leading researcher on shame and she talks about how emotions and vulnerability really are the gateway for creating, you know, a courageous and really massive upside in life, right? And it's, it's both personally and professionally. So I love that. I love a book called by Adam Grant, who I've recommended for a long time called Give and Take. And it's a massively great business book. It's how, you know, giving will get you ahead in business. Hmm, and so okay. those are like, you know, two, I would say, really good books uh, that I've read lately. And I read another book called Childhood Disruption the, this week. And it's how our emotions and our childhood lead to disease, cancer, and they did a huge research study back in the 80s, and they've done hundreds of them afterwards talking about childhood trauma and your emotions can have an impact on you, such as having likely to have cancer four times greater than an average person and having other diseases that come up as well that can really, really hurt your life and take you for a tumble. And the challenge is, is you can actually undo all of that if you put in effort and it's not that hard. But if you don't, odds are that that will follow you moving forward. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, we'll have definitely have some good show notes on this one. Are there any uh, books coming out that you're looking forward to digging into? Uh, you know, nothing. I'm trying to think of books that I, you know, one that I wanted to read is a book called Blue Ocean Strategy, and it just is really how to lay down a strategy in a blue ocean. It's like an update on it. I never read the original book, mm. but someone recommended that to me. And the other one I want to read too is the is called the One Thing um, by, Gar- by Gary Keller, and it's been out for a little while, but it's a book that I've uh, really wanted to uh, read as well. And there's another book out there called The Monkey Mind, and it's just talking about mindfulness, and it seems like a really interesting book. And someone who's had some challenges with depression and other things, and how they've had to master their mind. And for mm-hmm. me, that was kind of a yeah, that's interesting. And I know that uh, Chris Brogan and Rand Fishkin, uh, celebrities in the marketing world, have, have talked quite a bit about uh, you know uh, dealing with depression and things like that. It's been um, you know very popular. It's really, I think that's really important because a lot of people suffer from mental health illnesses, and we don't understand in society very well. Mm-hmm. And I've had some people really close to me have to go through it, and I think that you know they felt people when you break your legs, people send you flowers when you break down people leave and Mm. i think that's a really important thing for people to start to understand in their life because you're going to see that more and more becoming a factor in your relationships and you may be unaware of it and how big of a role it plays because unless someone tells you they have this you actually have to be observant enough to see what's going on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how can listeners best find out more about you and uh, your books and, and all that you do so they can go to beextraordinary.tv, that's beextraordinary, all one word, .tv, and there's tons of white, free white papers there, networking, influence, 
how to get unstuck, how to create success, and a link to my book, Social Wealth, on Amazon. There's coaching options, and next year there will be a product, hopefully by the end of Q1. The name of the book is Social Wealth, How to Build Extraordinary Relationships by Transforming the Way We Live, Love, Lead, and Network. The author is Jason Troy, spelled T-R-E-U. Jason, I hope you have uh, happy holidays, and I thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Hey, well, thank you for having me on and speaking to your fantastic tribe. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. But don't let the end of this episode be the end of your learning. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and guides. And be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. I have a favor to ask. The next time you're talking to a friend or colleague about marketing or sales books, please tell them about the Marketing Book Podcast. They will thank you for it. And please join us next time as we talk to Daniel Lemon, author of Manipurated, How Business Owners Can Fight Fraudulent Online Ratings and Reviews. And speaking of online reviews, I would like to thank the 185 listeners who have left reviews on iTunes for the Marketing Book Podcast. I will now name all 185 of them. Just kidding. But if you need instructions on how to leave a review, just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and click on the link that says how to leave an iTunes review. See what I did there? Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Till next time. Oh,